of Luke will be in Luke chapter number 24, Luke chapter number 24, and we look forward to what God has from us, for us from His Word this morning, and I'm looking forward to the message and all, all day long what God does already in the Sunday school hour, <coughs> now the uh, music up to this point, Luke chapter number 24, I'm going to read several verses of Scripture this morning, and I'll ask you to follow along with me as I read. And then uh, we'll see what the Bible has for us today. <coughs> Luke 24, and we'll begin reading verse number 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Uh, our text takes place after the crucifixion of Christ, after the resurrection of Christ. And now he has appeared amongst his disciples. Verse 38, And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye see me have. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. <coughs> While they yet believed not for joy, Wondered, he said unto them, Have ye there, have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of an honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. This morning, I want you to look at verse 44, from which we'll take our text and our title this morning. And he said unto them, these are the words. Uh, this morning, that is the title of my message, these are the words. Father, I pray that with the time we have remaining, uh, may uh, we be attentive to the Word of God. May the Spirit of God have liberty this morning. May every, every person in the building this morning give heed to the Spirit of God. And Father, I pray that if there's one here unsaved, they've never put their faith and trust in Christ. May today be their day of salvation. May even now the Spirit of God begin working in their heart and bringing them to a point of conviction, realizing their sin condition and their lost condition and that Christ is the answer for that and they must just simply believe in the finished work of Christ. Father, I pray for the child of God this morning. May the lessons that we'll see this morning, may they make some things a little clearer to us. May our faith grow this morning. May we be stronger in our faith. And Father, I pray that we'll all be ready to make whatever decision for you that you lead us to today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As passage of Scripture, there's much in it. There's several uh, different truths, different messages that could be preached this morning. But I want to draw your attention to verse 44. These are the words. We find in verse 36 leading us up to verse 44, as uh, Christ appears in their midst. And the disciples were afraid and confused by what they saw. 
Uh, they had uh, witnessed the crucifixion, and now they were meeting together, and immediately in their midst, no door opened, there was no knock at the door, then all of a sudden Christ was there. That's when they thought that there was a spirit, because how did he get in here? Uh, because no, we didn't see anybody come in the room. Of course, he confirms with them that it is him. He shows uh, them the uh, scar. He shows them the wounds in his hand. He shows them. They say, he says, touch me, feel me. The spirit does not have flesh and bones. But I, I, I see this truth, and I want to point us to it this morning. When the disciples were afraid and confused, like we see in verse 36 through 38, he does show them that it is him. But in that midst of confusion and fear, Jesus reminds them of his words. When his disciples were dumbfounded and stunned, as we see in verse 41, and while they yet believed not for joy, in other words, it just seems too good to be true. We don't even know what to think of this. I just can't understand what is going on. When, when they were dumbfounded and stunned, Jesus reminded them of his words. What were the words of Christ? It was a testifying of himself and the fulfillment of what the scripture had said about him. In other words, Christ had told them these things had to happen in order to fulfill scripture. I find it very interesting that when they were afraid, he brought them back to his words. When they were confused, he brought them back to his words. Oftentimes we say, if I just had a sign, no friend, if you had a sign, you'd be more confused than you were before you had the sign. Jesus said, yes, he did show them his wounds. He showed them his wounds in verse number 39 through 40, but in 41, they still didn't know what was going on. He brought them back to his words. What were the words of God? Uh, what were the words he spoke of? Well, they were God's words. They were true words. They were holy words. They were powerful words. That is what he brought them back to. And let me just interject here, if I may, before I get into the, 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 any further into the message this morning. God's words are not up for debate. God's words are not up for discussion. You say, well, I'd like to, to, to have an explanation. I'd like to have God explain to me. No, God's not explaining to you and I anything. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. We are just to receive the words of God. A great mistake that I think Christians are making today in Bible-believing Christians is debating the Word of God. I said this in Sunday school. I have no interest in debating the Word of God with anybody. As a preacher of the gospel, I'm to proclaim the truths of the Word of God. I'm to teach the truths of the Word of God. Somebody wants the Word of God taught to them, I'm happy to do it. I wasn't called to debate whether or not this is the Word of God. The Spirit of God is to convince you, not this preacher. I'm to proclaim it. The Spirit of God is powerful enough to convince you and to teach you what the Word of God wants to teach you. And if you have a heart closed to the Spirit of God, I'm not going to convince you. Uh, the word of, words of God, His disciples. Think about them for just a moment. Think about this situation. And... 
the words that he brought them back to. See, if you had been through what they had been through, <laughs> your reaction probably would be the same. In the midst of that, he brought them back to his words. He brings the focus back to the words that he has spoken to them, which were a fulfillment of the words that had already been spoken. And friends, this morning we can make a simple application that if God, in the midst of the disciples' confusion, brought their attention to the words in your moments of confusion, it would be good for us to go back to the words of God. If God, he's in their presence, he's in their midst, <coughs> and they're still bewildered. They still can't believe what is going on. They don't understand it. And he says, these are the words. He brings them back to what he had spoken to them, what he had told them. He said, I told you those things that had to be fulfilled of what has already been said of me. I think it would be good for you and I in our situations of bewilderment, when in our times of confusion, that we go back to the words of God. Too many Christians, too many Christians are trying to find answers in the clouds, in the stars, in the trees, in, in, in everything else, and the answer is in the word of God. These are the words, and friend, this morning, these words I hold in my hand are God's words. These words are holy words. These words are perfect words. These words are true words. These words are greater than my words. And friend, if they're greater than my words, they're greater than your words. They, they supersede your grandmother's opinion. They supersede the Pope's opinion. They supersede the Internet's opinion. They supersede Hollywood's opinion. They supersede any politician's opinion. They supersede any religious man's opinion. These are the words that we ought to bring our attention to this morning. I find a few truths that I want to bring to light this morning in the words of Jesus. See, in verse 44, he says unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. When I... Consider the words of God, and these are the words. The first truth I want us to see this morning is that every scripture must be fulfilled. There is nothing in this book, in the words of God, that say that things are going to happen that will not happen. Everything must be fulfilled. The word of God says the day is going to come when the trump of God shall sound, and all those who are the redeemed, all the saved are going to be raptured out. You say, well, that ha no, it hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. Because every scripture must be fulfilled. Jesus had to go to the cross. Jesus had to give up his life. Jesus' blood had to be shed for the scripture to be fulfilled. He said, hey, guys, I, I, all this took place. These are the words which I spoke 
You remember what I spoke to you, and if you could imagine and place yourself there, maybe the words begin to come back to their mind of Jesus teaching that the temple had to be destroyed, and he would build it up in three days, and him teaching the things that had to take place. And he said, it's because what the, what, what the, uh, the Moses has said, it's because what the prophets had said, it's because what Psalms has said about me, it had to be fulfilled. Friend, I take great comfort in that because I read things in this book of how God will care for us in the days ahead of us and the things that Christ is coming back for his own. It must be fulfilled. Uh, the rapture is a real thing. Jesus is coming again. My Bible tells me the time's going to come when every knee shall bow. Even the God denier is going to bow. Even the atheist, the so-called atheist, is going to bow. Even those who shake their fist at God, they're going to bow before him. How can you say that? Because every scripture has to be fulfilled Every scripture has to be fulfilled. Number two, <laughs> we find very interesting as we read in verse 44, he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding. Notice that word, then, second truth I want to point out is he reveals things in his time. He brings their attention after it's been fulfilled. Then he opened up their eyes so they could understand the scriptures. Friend, I just want to remind us this morning, God's in complete control. God does what he intends to do when he intends to do it. Boy, I use the rapture that's going to take place as an example of every scripture being fulfilled. No man knows the hour. No man knows the day. Why? Because God reveals things when he chooses to reveal them. Let me illustrate it this way, and I'll, I'll move further in the outline because we've got much to get to this morning. Uh, I've... I was saved at a very young age. I was called to preach at a very young age. I grew up in a pastor's home. I've, I've spent much time in this book. But there are some truths that did not become real to me. There are some things that were opened up to me. They were there the whole time after I had experienced something in my life. Then, then we have an understanding. He Reveals things in his time. Now, number three, notice this. The answer is always in the scriptures. Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Christ wanted them to understand the word of God. Uh, friend, anything God wants to say to you and I today, he's going to say through that book. Any man who comes along and says, I've got a word of knowledge, I say, I've got the knowledge. 
anything God wants to say to us. Scripture is not of any private interpretation. You say, what if Christ was here? What would he say? Well, I see a precedent here that when he was with his disciples, he drew their attention to the words and he opened them up to them so that they might understand them. Friend, don't make the mistake of thinking you need something outside the word of God. If you've got the word of God, you've got enough. If you've got the word of God, you've got all you need. Friend, you can, you, you're saved by the word of God. You, you're saved, you're convicted because of the, what the word of God tells us about our own sin. Friend, I, I learned about Jesus Christ from the word of God. I learned about my need of salvation from the word of God. I learned how to be saved from the word of God. Friend, this is the source of salvation. It's that incorruptible seed that brings a new life. It's the word of God. Friend, you can build a home on the word of God. You can build a marriage on the word of God. You can, you can build a life on the word of God. The answer is always in the scriptures. Too many Christians, I'll help you this morning if you'll let me. Too many Christians put more stock in an internet poll than they do what the Bible says. Too many Christians decide how they're going to live based on the conversations at the last family reunion than what the word of God says. The scriptures, it's always about the scriptures. You know, some of you, you're perplexed this morning. You're at a crossroads in your life. You don't know what to do about a situation, and you're frustrated by it. Pastor, I need an answer. Okay, I'm going to give you an answer. You may, you may not like it. Open the Word of God. Pastor, I, I, I need some direction in my life. I'm going to help you this morning. Be in Sunday school. Be in church on Sunday morning. Be in church on Sunday night. Be in the Wednesday night Bible study. Well, besides that, friend, I can't help you. It's the scriptures that's going to help you. It's the scriptures that's going to change your life. It's the scriptures that is going to give you the direction that you need. And you be in the word of God every day. Don't let the day go by where you don't read the scriptures. Well, I got Dr. Phil's book. It's the scriptures. Christian, your life will be fine. I didn't say it would be perfect. I didn't say it would be without heartache. I didn't say it would be without disappointment if you just stay in the Scriptures. Scriptures can help you through any situation. The Scriptures can comfort you like nothing else can comfort you. The Scriptures can guide you like nothing else can guide you. Pastor, explain that. The only explanation I have, it's a supernatural book. The only explanation I have is just God's Word. And I find that when, when, his, when the disciples of Jesus, this is John, this is Peter, this is Nathaniel, this is Philip, this is James, this is Bartholomew, this and on and on. Those men that, 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 that traveled with the Lord Jesus Christ. They heard him teach. They saw his miracles. They traveled with him through the wilderness. They, 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 they were with him. 
and they listened to him. They saw what he did. He brought their mind back to his words. He brought them back to the scriptures. And he said, let me open up the scriptures to you. I'm convinced if Jesus were to return before he called us home and said, I want to speak to the world, I'm convinced he'd do nothing but get into the scriptures. He'd read the word of God. He'd preach the word of God. He'd teach the word of God. Because the word of God forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. This is an eternal book. And we've got to get back to the scriptures. The answer is always in the scriptures. I'll help you this morning if, as your pastor. If you get in a situation and you need counsel, you can call on me. But I'm going to warn you, we're going to the scriptures. My life's a mess. How do I fix it? Let's see what the Bible says. Well, besides that, there is no besides that. It's the scriptures. Now, we're to number four. Here's where I want to spend a few moments. We said, first of all, every scripture must be fulfilled. He reminds them of that. He reveals things in his time. Uh, the answer is always in the scriptures. Now, I want us to, to notice in verse number 45 again. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. This isn't the point I want to make, but, but let me mention this. It ought to be the goal and the desire of every child of God to understand the scriptures, to know the scriptures. If you studied the word of God like you studied other things, you might have an understanding of it. It's not the priority in the life of a Christian. It, well, I just don't know, understand the Bible. Open it. Read it. The Spirit of God who lives in you as a child of God who authored this book will give you the discernment you need. It ought to be our goal, our desire to understand the Scriptures. And nothing helps us understand the Scriptures like the Scriptures themselves. We continue reading verse 46. And said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead of the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. He reminds them as he brings their focus back on the scriptures. He opens their understanding, they might understand the scriptures, and said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. He reminds them of his suffering. He reminds them of the fact that he would give his life, he gave his life. He reminds them that he rose again from the third day. Why? Verse 47, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. So <coughs> you guys are going to go and tell the world that there is a remission for sins and that you can preach that through a resurrected Christ, there is salvation. But notice verse 46, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer. That word behoove simply means necessary. He says it was necessary. Here I am. F fulfill me. Touch me. See the wounds that I have. It's not a spirit. Hey, let me bring you back to the words that I spoke unto you. I spoke them unto you because everything had to be fulfilled that Moses said. 
that the prophets said, that Psalms said, all the scripture that prophesied of the Messiah, the perfect Son of God, the Lamb of God, those things I said, it is a fulfillment of scripture. Then he wanted them to understand the scriptures. He brings them back to where it was written. He said it was necessary for Christ to suffer. It was necessary for him to give his life and to rise from the dead. I want you to think just for a moment what it would have been like as best you can this morning to be one of those disciples and to travel with the Lord Jesus Christ. You walked away from family. You walked away from your profession. And you traveled. You never had a home. Some nights... A stone in the wilderness was your pillow. But you were with the Son of God. You were there. You held a basket that was filled with the leftovers of bread. And you know what Christ started with. Five loaves. And you collected 12 basketfuls. That wasn't a story you read. It was a story you were part of. Can you imagine being one of those men and watching the multitudes gather to where he was? Can you imagine being one of those men and seeing the Son of God touch the eyes of a blind man and be made whole? Can you imagine the scene as Christ is teaching and all of a sudden the roof begins to be broken apart and a man, is a layman is lowered into the midst and Jesus just says, get up and go home. And the man is healed by the words of the Son of God. This is something you have seen. This is something you have witnessed. Can you imagine what the voice of the Son of God must have sounded like? What a combination of authority and power, but yet as powerful as His voice was, it was just as comforting. As as much authority as He spoke with, you can sense the love. Friend, there's a lot of things about heaven I'm looking forward to. But I want to hear the voice of God. I want to hear his voice. Can you imagine what it must have been like to hear him speak? Can you imagine being John and laying on the breast of the Son of God? Being that close to him? Can you imagine the hope, the faith, the belief that this is the King. This is the Messiah. This is the Son of God.
then all of a sudden, one of your group conspires with the religious of that day to destroy him. And all of a sudden, things change. And they come and they arrest the one that you've dedicated your life to. In the fulfillment of the scripture, when Isaiah said he'll be led as a sheep to slaughter, he allowed them to blaspheme him. He allowed them to beat him. Think about how confusing that must have been. Because you had witnessed the power of Jesus Christ. You had witnessed him walk on the water. You had witnessed him stand to the bow of a ship and say, Peace, be still. In that very instant, the waters that were raging were calm. You had seen in that very instant, the wind that was howling ceased to blow. Certainly, if this one could walk on the water and calm the winds and calm the sea, he could dispel those who had attacked him. He could free himself, but yet you watched how he allowed those accusations to be hurled. You watched how he was brought to that place of crucifixion. Laid on that cross after he had been beaten beyond recognition of a man. Sometimes we're very critical of the disciples. Place yourself. You had watched and you were convinced of of who the Son of God was and his magnificence and his power, and he's now allowing these things to take place. He's nailed to that old cross. The point comes when Christ says, it is finished. And how confused they must have been. He's the Son of God. He's the coming King. And that lifeless body is taken off of the cross. And I remind you and I this morning, his life was not taken from him. He gave his life. No man has the, had the power to take his life. But his lifeless body was taken from that cross and that crowd that had chanted, crucify him, crucify him, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. They were now cheering the death. Those religious, those Pharisees were, were with a big old smile on their face. The one who said he had come to remove and destroy the law. He is now dead. But yet you'll find they didn't even really believe it because as he was placed in that tomb, they got together and said, what's our story? But now you come to this place. They'd seen the empty tomb. And now he's in the midst of them. And he says to them, it behooved Christ to suffer. It was necessary for Christ 
to suffer. Why? So that the scripture could be fulfilled. So that now when you guys leave and you go to this world, you have been a witness of the fulfillment of scripture. You have seen that my death and my resurrection was necessary for the remission of sins and that if man will turn to that, it behooved Christ. It was necessary. Don't miss this truth, friend. The valley is necessary for you to fully understand the words. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Don't miss this truth. He was very aware of the confusion and the heartache and even the lack of faith that was revealed amongst these men after them experiencing and seeing what they saw with his crucifixion. But he reminds them it was necessary. It was necessary for salvation. It was necessary for the way of of forgiveness and salvation for man. It was necessary, and now you have seen the fulfillment of Scripture. You can go now and be a witness of my resurrection. It's me. Remember, he said, touch me, feel me, look at the wounds in my hand. It is me. He said, it behooved me because it was necessary for the fulfillment of salvation. That same truth could be applied when we look at the words. (laughs) Your valley is necessary for you to fully understand I will never leave you nor forsake you. Friend, you can't know that God is the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You can't know and realize the truth of the promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee until you've been forsaken by every man. It is the thorn in the flesh that is necessary for you to understand my grace is sufficient. Until you, like Paul, have gone to God and said, would you remove this from my life? God says no. And he goes again and says, would you remove this? It hinders me. And you go again after God says no, and (coughs) would you remove this from my life? Until you have a thorn in the flesh, you cannot truly understand what the Scripture, what the words mean When the scripture says, my grace is sufficient. It is enough. (coughs) Well, how great is God's grace? It's enough. How fulfilling is God's grace? It's enough. And friend, you can preach about that and you can amen to that. But until you've experienced a thorn in the flesh, something that you have to live with, (coughs) like this cough, something like you have to overcome, 
You don't understand. My grace is sufficient for thee. He puts you, God puts you in situations for you to have to live praying without ceasing. Because it's the only thing you can think about. He puts you in situations that you can't handle. For you to come back to the words and live by faith. Friend, this morning there's some great truths that we've already seen. Christ brings them back to the words. It's the words of God we depend on. It's the words of God we build a life on. It's the words of God that every scripture must be fulfilled and will be. He reveals everything in his time. The answer is always in the scripture, but do not miss this. Also, also in those obvious truths is this truth that sometimes God puts things in your life that are necessary Christ said it, be, it behooved Christ to be crucified. It was necessary in order for Scripture to be fulfilled. It was necessary in order for man's salvation. Don't miss this application. Sometimes cancer is necessary for you to see God as you need to see God. Sometimes disease is necessary for you to quit depending on your talent and you to depend on God himself. Sometimes desertion and heartache is necessary for you to depend on the Almighty God and be able to say, <coughs> this is true. This is right. This is all that I need. We amen it. We preach about it. We put it as a social media hashtag that, that only faith pleases God. But yet you can't please God until he puts you in a situation that you have to just live by faith. I couldn't imagine what it would have been like for these disciples to witness what I don't even like to read about. You should read about the crucifixion of Christ. But when it comes to my time of my Bible reading through that, I have to prepare myself. I don't like to think about anyone taking their fist and hitting the face of my, face of my Savior. I don't like to even think about those sinful, wicked men spitting into the face of the Son of God. I don't like to read the account in Scripture of that cat of nine tails whipping the back of my Savior. I don't like to read about the fact that he was not even recognizable as a man. I don't like to read about it because when I read something, I get a mental picture of what I'm reading. Could you imagine actually seeing it? Guys, it's okay. It was necessary. It was necessary. It was necessary. We continue reading the last few verses of this scripture. He commissions them and ascends into heaven. Before he sends them out as witnesses, he knew what they were thinking. He knew what was in their heart. 
have to bring them back to the words, he says, guys. I know you didn't understand, but it was necessary. I can't help but imagine the time we come, comes and we're in the presence of our God. And I don't think we'll need an explanation. But if you'll allow me for illustration's sake this morning, I know you didn't understand why you had to carry that burden. But it was necessary. I know you don't understand those lonely and dark nights, but it was necessary. And friend, I hope as a child of God this morning you have a desire to know your God better. I hope you have a desire to know the Lord better. I hope you have a desire to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. But there are some things that are necessary in order for us to put our focus on the words. Some things are necessary to remove the things from our life that just don't matter but grab our attention. It behooved Christ to suffer. Why? Because it was necessary. Friend, I don't know, and I can't explain, and I may not even have been aware of what somebody may be dealing with this morning. But what I can do is look at the words. And I, I think it would be safe to say it all our behalf that we would consider Peter, James, John, Philip, and the whole rest of those disciples as a step above us in their faith. Their boldness. Their dedication. If Christ would bring them back to the words, don't you think it would be a good practice for us to come to the words? Friend, there's a lot of things we need to be reminded of. The devil will have his day. But the words tell me the time's coming when he'll be cast into that lake of fire. And he will have deceived his last. He will have afflicted his last child of God. He will, have, he will have accomplished his last evil plan. Because every scripture must be fulfilled. Friend, this morning, if you're saved, the time's coming, you're going to enter into the presence of the one who provided your salvation. Oh, do you really believe that? Without a doubt, every scripture must be fulfilled. And friend, this morning... Some things are necessary for these words to mean what they should mean to us. See, maybe you're in here this morning and you haven't been saved very long. Or maybe you're saved as a child and you haven't lived as much life as some others. Or maybe God has just shielded you for some things that can just take place in life. 
You don't understand why when certain songs are sung, a tear comes into the eye of either the one singing it or somebody hearing it. Because it illustrates a truth from the words that they couldn't understand until they had that burden. They couldn't believe with conviction until they had that burden. And there are some things I could not understand, and the scriptures opened up to me not until after I buried a child, not until after I bore a burden. And I can stand here today and say, these words, these words have never failed me. These words have never been wrong. These words are words of comfort. These words are words of strength. And I stand here today and say, as long as I have these words, I have all that I need. You cannot say that. It is nothing but rhetoric unless you have had the burdens, unless you've had the heartaches, unless you've faced the valleys, unless you've had the thorn in the flesh, you don't really understand. Sometimes God says it's necessary. It's necessary for you to understand the words that I've spoken. Friend, this morning, if you're not saved, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, we see in this passage of Scripture, Christ said it was necessary in order for your salvation, my salvation, the salvation of mankind, for Christ to suffer. Friend, this morning, maybe you've, we're prone, all prone to do this. Maybe you're looking for an answer to your problem everywhere but the words. Let me challenge you this morning. Go to the words. Go to the words. My life is a mess. I, I don't know what to do. Go to the words. The words do what nothing else can do. <coughs> Father. <laughs>